0: <laughs> Thank you We're going uh, to be continuing our, our study of Exodus in chapter 20 So if you want, you can turn there um, We're actually going to be doing a lot of page flipping this morning So if you have your Bibles, uh, feel free to, to flip around while we, while we go back and forth um, Or your phone, it's, it's good we've, uh, we've been going through the Ten Commandments So uh, I'll tell you what I've got a really killer message for you this morning. In fact, it's uh, it's going to be a message to die for. I'm going to have some jokes that are just going to slay. I'm going to knock you dead with them. Can you get which commandment we're on this morning? Thou shalt not kill? Okay, I'm sorry. Some of you already want to kill me. I'm sorry. But uh, that's the one we're going to land on today. And... Uh, if you've missed, by the way, if you've missed any of the the, the teachings in the, the last few weeks, you can go online to our website and see all, I mean, you can see uh, sermons from, I think it goes back a few years, so you can see any week that you've missed, and so that's what I did. I was here last week, but I missed the two weeks before that, so in preparing for my study this week, I wanted to make sure I knew what Pastor Joe had talked, and I was able to to, to stream the, the the two sermons that he did, and they're great sermons, You should you should listen to them. You know as we as you know we're, we're going through this, um the best part is you know you can uh, you can fast forward through the parts you don't like when you watch them online. I'm just kidding, I did not fast forward through them at all, but uh you know last week he he talked about honoring your mother and father, and you know he also really encouraged us to honor you know everyone in our lives, everyone we come across in our paths. And it was really, you know, quite inspirational. In fact, you know, I'm pretty sure he, he talked about, you know, like honoring your waitress at, you know, your, the restaurant you go to. And sometimes that's hard. In fact, just the other night, um, my wife and I, we did a double date with our friends, Ryan and DJ. And are you guys here? Yeah, there they are. All right. Shout out to the Hastings there. So we went to this restaurant. I'm not going to even say the name of it, but it was horrible. It was like the worst experience you can imagine. Like Water was spilled right away all over our table. You know, the food took forever to get there. It was like all charred, you know, like all. It It was like the worst thing that could possibly happen at each stage in in the night. It it was just horrible. And we were just like laughing the whole time because it was that bad, you know. In fact, at one point, Ryan actually said to the waitress, Hey, you're doing great. Like keep it up. Poor thing. She was like the only one there, you know, trying to service the whole dining room. And, you know, we were trying to give honor to our waitress, you know, which I think is a a big inspiration from Joe's message from last week. So if you missed it, jump online and, and give a listen. Um, so, you know, we're in these, these 10 commandments and, you know, the first half of them are really about honoring God and the second half are really about honoring other people. And, you know, Jesus, of course, summed that up, um, in Matthew chapter 22, when he said, um, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Um, you know, it's been said there's like thousands and thousands of law. I tried to Google it this week. Like how many laws are there in our country? And like no one actually knows how many laws there are in this country. The best, best number I could come up with was like over 30,000 laws, you know, and statutes or whatever, all because we can't follow 10, right? Um, but if we could just sum it, you know, narrow it down to this, honoring God, putting God first, and then, Other people before us, you know, this world would be perfect. Um, But the world wants to tell us that we should look out for ourselves as number one, right? You got to look out for number one. Well, I don't know about you, but whenever I try and look out for number one, I always end up stepping in number two. You know what I'm saying? It never works out for me. So, as we get into today's message, I just want to say right up front, I really like encouraging sermons. Like, that's like my favorite thing to do is get up here and encourage you all. Who likes to go to church and walk away encouraged? Anyone? All right. A few of you. Okay. How many like coming to church and just feeling like super convicted when you leave? (laughs) Not as many. Okay. I have a couple of hands. All right. Feeling convicted can be fun, but not, not very often. Right? So thou shalt not kill. We're going to see that maybe this one hits close to, to us a little, a little more than we thought. And we might have some different opinions about some of the things I talk about this morning. So I ask you to give me a little bit of grace up here and to maybe like, let's study let's the word together and see what God says. Because um, sometimes being a pastor, again, I love just coming up here and encouraging y'all. But sometimes it's my job to get up in your grill. Are you guys with me on that? Can, can you relate? Can you understand? And I do it with as much grace as I can. And I want you to know that I spend the whole week just like in prayer and, you know, study, hoping that I can deliver God's word to us, so that, we can, that we can really understand God's heart in the subject matter that we talk about this morning. So with that, I just ask that, uh, you know, if you disagree with some of the things I say, let's talk about it after and let's, you know, pray about it and see what God would, you know, have us learn this morning. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, God, and I, I thank you for the opportunity to just worship you through, <clears throat> through song and praise, God, and I thank you for the opportunity that we can worship you through the study of your word now, God. And as we dive into the text this morning, God. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, strip us of all pride and um, uh, strip us of all the knowledge that we think we know, our, our human wisdom, God, and fill us with your wisdom, God. Speak to us and, and show us things we can grow in, show us what we can learn from God, and just speak to, to our hearts and souls this morning, we pray. Amen. So, Thou shalt not murder. Some translations in your Bible, it might just say thou shalt not kill, but murder really is the more appropriate translation of that specific word, because we're going to see, we're going to read a few verses today that talk about when God does in fact instruct killing, but murdering is completely different. So, first and foremost let me let me get that clear that the bible is very clear that to kill has its time and place in fact the very next chapter chapter 21 god instructs when they should kill but murdering is completely different murdering is taking the intentional uh the intentional taking of life for a personal reason um Not for reasons of national security or judicial reasons, but taking for a personal reason, personal vengeance or anger or whatever. So it's important for us to know the difference because it's okay to kill in very specific situations. Statistically speaking, most of us are never going to be in those statistical situations where we're going to need to take a life. But I'll just say that if you break into my home in the middle of the night, attempting to harm my family, I will have no problem in helping you meet Jesus. And I don't mean through prayer. I'm just saying, if anyone tries to harm my family... I have no problem starting a men's prison ministry, okay? <laughs> if that's what it takes. But life is sacred, and this is what God's first and foremost, you know, deal here is. Life is a gift straight from God. Genesis chapter 2, he creates mankind, and when he creates man in his image, he calls it blessed. And let me just stop right there and say, is there anyone in here who doesn't feel like their life is a gift from God who might be needing to hear that this morning? Your life is a gift from God. You are made in his image and you are blessed even when you don't feel like it. And to murder someone is to murder the very image of God. God created you perfectly in his image and so to take a life is to, to, to be in a, an insult and assault on the on God himself but that really only works if you believe that God actually created you if you don't believe that God created you if you believe say we evolved from i don't know primordial ooze or something you know then the sacred of sacredness of life doesn't really matter as much and i mean sure you can say oh well, of course it matters you know but like you know, if we didn't if we weren't created by God, then does it really matter who the government powers that be tell us what what's right and wrong and what the laws are? You know, who put them in power? You know, why should they decide what's right in my life? If I want to kill, I should be able to kill if there's no God in heaven who's made this, uh, made all this creation, made me, made all these rules and placed the value on life. And death can only be viewed by the value we do place on life. God places the high value on it because we're made in his image. And every single one of us, every single one of us is made in his image and that can be a hard pill to swallow. I mean, I'd like to think I'm made in his image. I know my wife whom I love and my kids are made in his image. I know that many of my friends here, y'all are made in God's image. But the people I don't like so much Some of the politicians we don't like so much. Some of our enemies we don't like so much. They're made in God's image. God created us in his image and called it blessed. And coincidentally, what was the very first thing that the enemy convinced Adam and Eve to do and shamed them into doing when they sinned? What was the first thing? they covered up. God created them naked, perfect, and said, this is the most beautiful image of God. And the first thing that happened when they sinned, the enemy was like, oh, you got to cover that up. That's ugly. Cover up that image of God, cover up that, you know, beautiful picture of God. So next time you get out of the shower and you're naked standing in front of the mirror, I want you to say that is the image of God. And I'm going to love that and appreciate that for who you are. I know it's getting harder and harder for some of us to appreciate that image of God, but <clears throat> God doubled down on this idea just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter nine when Noah and his family got off the ark. He told them that he will require the blood of any man who slays another man or any animal that slays another man for that <clears throat> for that matter. And <clears throat> he gives that very specific reason again that anyone who kills has to be killed themselves. Anyone who murders has to be killed because they've taken a life who is someone made after the image of God. I just like spilled water all over myself. <laughs> Sorry, my throat's super dry this morning. So God doubled down this uh, in Genesis chapter 9. So, you know, this whole idea of when is a good time to kill, when is a bad time to kill, when is it right, when it's wrong, you know, we got to find the balance. We got to find the middle ground on that and see what God wants. You know, like Jesus himself told, you know, told the disciples, you know, take a sword with you. But then again, um, when Jesus was arrested in the garden, you know Peter lopped off the ear of that soldier there, and Jesus was like, "Put your put your sword away," you know. Um, and I think I think it's safe to say we know enough about Peter to to probably know that he wasn't aiming for the ear. I think he was aiming for the head. He was trying to kill that soldier, and he missed. And Jesus said, "Put that sword away." And then you know what the most incredible thing happened was Jesus healed his enemy, the soldier. He healed the wound of his enemy caused by the sin of his friend. Um, and that is the grace of our Lord, even towards our enemy. Does this work? Check, check. Do we have anything? Is there anything coming through? This one? Nothing? Is this back? This is back on. I don't know what happened. There's some demons in the system. <laughs> we cast those demons out of these speakers. All right. So anyways, where was I? Peter. Peter, he swung at the soldier. God healed, or Jesus healed him, you know. So there's a time to to take vengeance, time not to, and we've got to figure out the balance. But the grace of our Lord, you know, we... we we got to seek after that same grace, you know, and, and try to express that same grace to others who have wronged us and filled us with that murderous rage. Because sometimes we get, we get filled with that murderous rage. If we had a sword, we might swing it at our enemies' heads, right? <clears throat> but this whole idea is not to take a life lightly. Um, so that's number one. Don't take the life of an enemy lightly. It should be a big deal when we do that, right? Second of all, I would have to point out that we shouldn't take our own lives. So, you know, on the issue of suicide, you know, there, there might be some here sitting here. There might be someone here or someone watching live on the live stream right now who might need to hear this right now. Your life is valuable and there may come a time in your life when you feel so desperate that may cross your mind that your life isn't worth living. To take your life. And I would say right now, right, right here, that that's a lie that the enemy wants you to listen to. There might be someone sitting here listening, and that's exactly where you're at right now. You're thinking there's no reason for me to exist, and this life isn't worth living. It would be better off without me. And that is just not true. Your life that you're living now, God gave to you in his image, and the very fact that you exist is the very evidence that God wants you to be here. Even though you might not understand why or what you're going through, the very fact that you're here is the clearest indication that he wants you to have this life now. And if you need prayer, if you need counsel, there's people who would love to pray with you and talk with you and counsel you and help you through these dark times in your life. And that doesn't dismiss that the very pain you're feeling isn't genuine. Of course, of course, the pain you're feeling is genuine, but it's still worth living. And one day, even if you can't see the value of your life right now, one day you will when we're in the presence of God and you're going to be so thankful for the life that God gave you when all said and done. So those are two things, murdering other people, taking your own life. Those are two different things. And you might be sitting there saying, I've never murdered anyone and I haven't taken my own life. So, so far, so good. I'm good. But then we get to the subject of abortion. And what does God have to say about that? Well, we're going to take a look right now. And first, I'd, I'd have you open up to Proverbs chapter six. If you've got your Bibles with you, Proverbs chapter six. And again, this is the part where I just say, you know what, you might disagree on this. In fact, statistically speaking, probably half of y'all here will disagree with what I'm about to say. But just remember, I'm just reading scripture here, and I'm hoping that together we can find the heart of God on this subject. So Proverbs chapter six, verses 16 through 19 says this, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devi- devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord. So I wanna, you know, begin this topic with this in mind because i think we should all agree on this that these are the things the lord hates and trying to define what those are should be pretty important in our lives um i don't want to be part of anything that the lord hates i don't even want to be part of anything the lord dislikes but definitely don't want to be involved with anything the lord hates and so it's super important that we understand god's heart in this matter And, you know, on this subject, the world, the world has lots to say on this. And one of the most uh, first and foremost things that the world would say is that I, as a man, have no right to talk about a woman and her body and what she should do with her body. And that may absolutely be true a man shouldn't tell a woman what to do a a man should not control a woman's body but God has a say in the matter God absolutely can and so we're going to try and figure out exactly what that is this morning and I'm just going to read scripture just remember I'm in the communications department I'm not content creator here I'm just communicating this All right. and my intent is not to shame anyone here Let me get that right out in the open. If you've had an abortion, if you support abortion, whatever. I'm just here to share the message of God's love and God's grace. And you know what? No matter what has happened in our lives, subject of abortion, subject of any other sin in our lives, any other things we've found, problems we've stumbled with, first and foremost, God is a gracious God and he will forgive us of anything we've done. But for the subject matter this morning, the scripture says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. So what does God consider life? What does God consider innocent blood? Well, first and foremost, in God's eyes, life is in the blood. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. In God's view, life is in the blood. I think it's an important place to start. The world says that life doesn't begin until you're born outside the womb. That's what the world says, that any, pretty much any point up until being outside the womb, life does not begin until you're outside the womb. But God says life is in the blood. A baby in a womb has a heartbeat. What does a heart do? It pumps blood. Life is in the blood. That's not Keith saying it, that's scripture. Number two, God views life before you're even in the the womb. Psalm 139. And I'll even pause so you all can flip there. 139, Psalm 139. Such a valuable scripture. We could spend a whole day just talking about this psalm. It's an amazing psalm. Psalm 139, verses 14 through 16 say this. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they have all were written. The days were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And you know what, let's even like pause right here because I can't read this psalm without even reading the last two verses uh, after following this. Verses 17 through 18, that says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them, if I should count them, that they would be more in number than the sand. Again, I want people here this morning knowing that God is thinking about you. Even when you don't think he is, when you think you're all alone, God is thinking about you and his thoughts are numbered more than the sand. I love going to the beach. We're going to go to the beach later today. I love building sandcastles. And all the times I've been to the beach, I've never been able to number the sand because there's a whole lot of it there. And those are his thoughts towards you. And I just think that's a super encouraging thing to think about this morning. But going back to the, the verses 14 through 16. God cares about you so much that before your body was even formed, God had already determined what you would be before you were formed. God had a plan for your life and knew who you would be. God considers your life before it's even formed in the womb. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 24 says this, thus says the Lord your Redeemer and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things. He makes all things. Not some things, not most things. He makes all things. Is there anyone here who believes that this morning? God makes all things. That means God made you. You're no accident. Regardless of the circumstances, it doesn't matter. Regardless of the circumstances of your creation, you were formed. I think there's probably many of us here today who were not formed by our parents under the best circumstances, under the perfect set of circumstances. But you are no accident. God decided that you just had to be here, and he had to create you. The world will give every excuse, every reason why a child should not exist. And there are some tough reasons that some children exist in this world. That's a hard pill to swallow as to what you do when a child is conceived under very bad circumstances. But you know what? God allowed that to happen. And if we need to have a whole sermon about like why God allows bad things to happen in the world, that's a whole nother study. But the fact is, if you're a Christian, you got to take that, you got to take the The uncomfortable with the comfortable, that God allowed that to happen, and that God made sperm and the egg come together through the worst situations, whether it's rape, incest, whatever. And I'm not saying it's not easy to swallow, it's not easy to to understand that and, and agree with that, but that's what God says God makes all things possible. And I need to believe that this morning. Because if there's one thing I know about God is that God can make good come out of bad. Anyone, I heard a few people believe that this morning. Is there anyone else who believes God can make bad, good things come out of bad situations? If not, what the heck are we doing here this morning? All right you know, my wife Rachel, you know talked about carenet. Pregnancy Resources center, uh, center this morning and talked about, you know, the bottles and stuff. Has anyone here been to a Care Net banquet before? All right, a few hands. I've been to a bunch of them, and they have story after story after story after story of, of, of men and women who have come out of uh, survivors of abortion, uh, mothers who decided to keep their child after the worst situations of, of conception, um, you know, just story after story. And I mean, not just like, oh, that's a good story to listen to. Like stories that rip your soul from your body and like squeeze it and shake it around and put it back in, like just will crush you. God can do amazing things if we let him. But the world, the enemy wants us to believe that the circumstances determine the value of a life whether it's worth terminating or not but we are people of faith and we have to view things differently jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i sanctified you i ordained you to be a prophet to the nations we all love this verse right like Many of us have this memorized. We all like to quote it as like encouraging, you know, before God knew, before we were born, God knew who we were going to be, you know, before you were born, I sanctified you or before I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations who did the forming. God did the forming. God says, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I formed you, I sanctified you. I set you apart in this world. I had a plan for your life before you were even formed. I could keep going on this. Galatians 1, chapter chapter 115 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace see the point I'm trying to make? I could keep going with these verses. God is the one who makes it happen. The events surrounding the conception, God had to make it happen. Job 31, verse 15 says, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? I could go all day with this. So number one, life is in the blood. Number two, God views life before you're even in the womb. And I think Before I move on from this specific topic, we got to talk about the penalties for shedding innocent blood. Why don't you all turn to Psalm 106? Psalm 106. Verses 37 through 39 say this. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idol of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. The land was polluted with blood. What are we talking about here? Well, in Leviticus chapter 20, God talks to the Israelites and he he. He's a little more clear about how much he dislikes this. Um, during that time, there was the pagan god of Moloch, and the idea was to sacrifice to him your children, your babies, and put them sacrificed by fire. And there's a few different ways they did this. They ha- they made these big, you know, bronze statues and heated them up, and then put their babies on the outreached arms of these statues as they're scalding hot. Or they just roll babies into a pit of fire. And anyways, they would sacrifice their babies. And God was furious about that. And this is what he said. Leviticus chapter 20, says to Moses, say to the Israelites, any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Moloch is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people for by sacrificing his children to Moloch he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. Again, profaned whose holy name? It's God, it's profaning God killing a child, killing a child made in his image, in his holy name. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Moloch, and if they fail to put him to death, I'll set myself against them and their families, and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Moloch. You know, they didn't have the same technologies used in abortion back then, but I mean, what else is there to name this than abortion back then? Unwanted pregnancies. Don't have to worry about that child if you just sacrifice it to a God, right? God hates it. And I do strongly believe that our land has been polluted with blood. Right now there are over 600,000 abortions a year that are recorded. That number is actually down. A couple decades ago it was about a million abortions a year. So down to six hundred thousand, believe it or not, is better. But our land is polluted with blood. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-seven, verse twenty-five says, "Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person." Again, if you go to any of these CareNet, you know, banquets or meetings or presentations, they'll talk. They'll talk and, and present uh, countless nurses and doctors who were in the medical field and who who used to perform abortions until just one day they just like realized what they were doing and came out of it and would just plead with anyone who would listen to them not to go through with this because of how barbaric it is to the babies 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 through 20 says or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you who you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's our bodies are not our own our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit now I mean I don't know about you nowadays I feel like my my body is more of a bouncy castle for the, the spirit of God you know but our, our bodies are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Our bodies are not our own. So you can talk all day about whose body it is, but it's God's body. These are the things that God has said about the womb and the body and the child in that body. And we're certainly not honoring that temple when we're shedding innocent blood. So after all this, all these verses I've shared with you, I mean, the one question I ask is, who's in charge? God's in charge. And I hope we can all agree on that. And he says, thou shall not kill. And there's just so many situations that we could argue about, about what constitutes you know, a, a time where it's okay. You know, when the li- mother of the child's life is in danger. These are tough things to talk about. I'm not saying they're not worth discussing. But just within this church, we have more than one story of women who have risked their lives to have pregnancies. Um, you know, the most famous one I could point out is Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow anyone know tim tebow you know his parents were missionaries in the philippines when he was conceived and his mom got uh what is it called the uh dysentery or whatever and they were gonna give her these mega you know shots or whatever they said you gotta terminate the pregnancy you gotta terminate one or both of you are gonna die like you have to terminate the pregnancy and they didn't you know and then tim tebow was born and that's a giant of a man you know and countless, countless more stories like that. Well, the child was conceived through rape or incest or horrible things. And I'm not going to say that those aren't horrible things to think about. But does the value of that child's life really depend on the form of its, its conception? As Christians, we're, lived, we're called to live with accountability And the Lord hates the shedding of innocent blood. So, number one, with the thou shalt not kill. Don't murder people, innocent lives and vengeance. We've talked about not committing suicide, and I've talked about abortion. And you might be here thinking, well, I haven't done any of that, so I must be doing all right. But then we get to the fourth and final topic of... uh, of thou shalt not kill and it's not going to come to a surprise to anyone the subject of anger because that's what jesus talked about matthew chapter 5 why don't you go ahead and turn there matthew chapter 5 and you all knew this was coming right because um that's usually what we talk about when we talk about thou shalt not kill jesus says that you know if you've hated anyone you've you've killed them and so that's what we're going to read right here Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 says you've heard that's been said uh, to those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whoever says to his brother raka shall be in danger of the council but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you've paid the last penny. So the religious leaders of the day, they like to brag that they were pretty good at keeping the commandments. Don't commit adultery? No problem. I've not done that. Don't commit murder? Never killed anyone. We're all good, right? I keep those commandments perfectly. But Jesus says... whoever's angry with their brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And you might be saying, well, sometimes I have a cause. I can be angry at my brother because I have a cause. It's the without a cause clause, you know? Second only to the Santa Claus. No? All right. No Tim Allen fans in here? Okay do we really have a cause most times when we're angry? I mean, do we really have a cause to be angry? (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we've heard that we like to quote that, you know, verse be, be angry and do not sin. You know, like I can be angry. I have a righteous anger. Do we though? Probably not say, well, Jesus flipped over temp, you know, tables at the temple. He lost it. He, he made a whip. He made a handmade whip and started whipping people. If that's not anger, what is? Well, Jesus is a little more, (laughs) he's sinless. When he's angry, you know it's for a reason. And when he was angry, it's because the people were, the, the religious leaders were misrepresenting God to the people. And God does not like to be misrepresented. So that's why Jesus was angry. Us, we're usually, we don't usually have those righteous events in our lives to make us that angry. So Jesus is saying, whoever's angry with your brother is in danger of the council. This word raka that he uses, it basically means like empty-headed. Basically, we would call someone like an idiot. You empty-headed idiot, right? And what Jesus is saying here is, you know, if you call someone an idiot for no reason, and then you're not completely 100% justified, man, you need some counsel in your life. (laughs) You need to seek some counsel and get it together, right? Um, And again, not to make that super light of that, like, If there's people here who struggle with anger, like I do time to time, like, let's pray for one another, you know? I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and maybe we won't be so angry together, you know? When you call someone a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. So this just isn't the same as idiot. When we call, like, in this sense that Jesus is talking about, he's not saying, well, you know, if you call someone a fool, then, you know, you're in danger of hellfire. Well, The idea of fool specifically in this context is think about the way the word fool is defined throughout the Proverbs um, and the Psalms. In fact, it's Psalm 14 that says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So we're talking about that type of fool, the type of fool who is against God. So when we say you're a fool in that sense of you're a fool, there's nothing good in you. You're an evil person, and I want you to just go to hell. (laughs) That type of fool. And probably many of us here have thought that about someone at some point in our lives. Is it your boss? Is it me after some of my sermons? I don't know. The guy who cut you off on the road on your way to church this morning? Or how about people... we we see as mega sinful. I mean, we all know we're, we're sinful, I get it. But those people over there, the sin that they're doing, those are like the mega super sinful people and there's nothing good in them. They can't be saved. That's how foolish they are. There's no hope from them and the world would be a better place if they just died and went to hell right now because there's no good in them. Can any of you think of a people group or people in your lives? Maybe, you know, it's easy to think of your enemy as someone you really don't like or maybe a family member or, or someone who's betrayed you, someone who's broke you. But God says, you're a murderer if you think that way about them and you're in danger of hellfire. You didn't murder them physically, but you're murdering them with your mind, and you're probably murdering them with your lips, if that's the way you talk about those people. Um, you assassinate their character. You murder their character. I'd ask the question, who, who am I up here? Who is Keith Newer? I'd like to think I have some idea of who I am, but who i am really and i can i try to be the the best version of keith that i can possibly be but the real version of keith newer could probably be described as what you say i am when i'm not around right so when i leave here and i go Y'all talk about me and who I am And you describe, if someone comes to church For the very first time, they've never been here before They've never even met me, they say, oh, who's this Keith Newer person I, I heard about And you describe Me to them, that's who I am In their mind Whether it's true or not Now, in fairness, you could probably describe me, Keith, oh, he's like a Star Wars Obsessed Oreo addict Like, he's, you know He means well, you know, but but I am who you say I am when I'm not around, right? And that goes for all of us, right? We are who people say we are when we're not here. I don't think Pastor Joe is here this morning. So we could say all kinds of things about him behind his back, right? I could be up here and I could tell you some lies about Pastor Joe. And when he comes back, whether that information that I gave you was correct or not, next time he's up here what are you going to be thinking about you're going to be thinking about the things i said about him whether it was true or not and that's character assassination that's murder it's especially worse obviously when we say it to people's faces right we've all heard the sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me words will destroy you sometimes you know And we all try and be tough Well, well you know you can't hurt me i'm rubber your glue you know whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you for those of you who are lost on that. You know, we try and be tough but words will get to us. Even the toughest, toughest men, you know. I look tough. I got tattoos. I ride my motorcycle. I'm a tough guy. Words can't hurt me. Words will crush me sometimes. I'm a delicate flower. (laughs) Some of you all might understand this firsthand. Who's... You don't need to raise your hand, but is there anyone here who's been a victim of that and know exactly what I'm talking about? People have said unkind and untrue things about you or wreck you. So he says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift and agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with them lest your adversary deliver you to the judge the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown to prison assuredly i say to you you will by no means get out of there until you paid the last penny you know with that i'll actually ask that the band come come on up and we'll we'll start to wrap this up but what does this mean? Therefore, when you bring your gift to the altar, and you remember someone has something against you, you need to to stop what you're doing and uh, go make things right. Stop what you're doing, like stop giving your you know your your your, your gift at the altar you're playing guitar if you're a worship leader and you're playing guitar and you remember someone has something against you put the guitar down go make things right if you're preaching a sermon in the middle of the sermon you realize someone has something terrible against you put the microphone down go make it right which reminds me i'll be right back i'm just kidding it, it applies to me too you know go make it right he doesn't even say go try to make it right. He says go make it right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's tough. Because what if your adversary's wrong? And if we had an issue, we, you know, we think he's wrong. This verse, it talks about less you being taken to court. And maybe we don't go into a legal courtroom to fight you know, legal battles. But when you have something going on with someone, and you have something against them, they have something against you. What's going on in your mind? For me, in my house, I have a courtroom in my house. It's in my master bedroom. It's in my 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 shower. That's my courtroom. <laughs> Does anyone else have a courtroom in their their shower? <laughs> I'm in my shower, and like when I have something against someone, I'll take like a 30 or 40 minute shower because like in my mind, just the whole time, I'm like you know, I should have said this because they said this and that's not right. That's completely wrong because of this, this reason, that reason. Oh, I'm going to say this to them next time I see them. Oh, I hope this moment comes up again because I'm going to tear them apart. In my mind, I'm an excellent lawyer. I can win any legal battle. But it taxes you when you have this issue, when you have this confrontation. It just taxes you And it's gonna consume you, and you're gonna pay the price in your head. It's gonna suck every last bit of life out of you while you struggle with that. We gotta forgive. We gotta let it go. We gotta let go of that anger. It says here, agree with your adversary quickly, and it'll be over. How do you agree with someone who's wrong? How do you agree with someone who's said incorrect? things about you, who've said wrong things about you. You know, the idea is that no matter how many wrong things they say about you, there's a lot worse things we've done. (laughs) If we could just put a projector up here on stage of all the wrong things that I've done, I would very quickly say, you know what? I agree with you. I'm worse than that person that you say I am. I, you know. Agree quickly with your adversary and put that argument to rest. Make peace with our enemies. You know, it's that whole concept of, of forgiveness over and over and over you know, Peter, when he, he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my enemy? Seven times. And he thought seven was pretty good. Why did he think seven was pretty good? Because the Pharisees, they had a, they had a way of interpreting Scripture. As God says in the book of uh, Amos, I believe, about, you know, judging the nation wherever for three transgressions and for four for three and for four for three and four all throughout the book so the pharisees thought well let's forgive people three times and then the fourth time lay into them let them have it forgive people three times the fourth one you're out so he's like the pharisees the religious leaders and i know jesus he doesn't like the pharisees so I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. I'm more double down. I'll say seven times, Jesus. You want me to forgive my enemies seven times? And what did Jesus say? Seventy times seven is how many times. Not that we're supposed to do the math, but that we're supposed to forgive people over and over and over and over until we can't keep count of how many times we forgave forgave them already. And I've said it before and the perfect example of this is my relationship with Taco Bell, you know? No matter how many times Taco Bell has wronged me, I I just find a way to forgive them and keep going back to them, you know? And that's not the most perfect, you know, vision of God's grace in my life. I don't know what is, you know? Keep screwing up. Keep going back. That's how much God loves us. That's how great a God we serve. You know, unless you think me coming down on you guys this morning you know god is just full of grace and you know especially just just pick any of paul's writings and like go through it and like he almost always starts and finishes just talking about the grace of god and how awesome it is you know and i get it it's hard it's hard not to lose our temper and our anger you guys want me to be painfully honest with you this morning 'Cause I know you're all thinking, Pastor Keith, you're just you know, you're you're close to perfect. You're so you got this thing down so well together. I know that's what you're thinking, right? <laughs> this week I was riding my motorcycle to work on Thursday and I love just riding my motorcycle. I've I love spending time with God on my bike, you know, no radio, no one to talk to, just my way to work, just thirty minutes and especially this week, I was just praying the whole time, thinking about my, my message with you all this week, God just, you know, put the words in me, you know, what to say this week, you know, give me the heart for your people and your message and, and your truths and how to share, you know, these topics about killing and, and abortion and, and anger and whatnot. And uh, I've been super blessed. The, the years I've ridden my motorcycle, like I've never been in a super dangerous situation, because I, I like to ride where, like, everyone's out to kill me. So, like, I always have an escape plan. I know where I probably just play way too much Mario Kart, but, like, I always, I always have, an, you know, my, my, my shortcuts and stuff planned out in the worst-case scenario. I'm going down there, and this car makes a left-hand turn right in front of me, right in front of me, hit my brakes, kind of screeched my tires a little bit and darted around him. It slipped out I don't even know how. It just slipped out before I could even think about it Something along the lines It was kind of a blur But it was something along the lines of What the fudge Are you trying to kill me or something But I didn't say fudge It's like the Christmas story Ralphie It happens I felt like such a rocka, <laughs> Empty headed idiot Okay It happens. We struggle with it. And chances are, if you cut me off on the way out of church later today, I might shout at you. (laughs) Maybe I won't drop the F-bomb on you, but, you know, I might lose my temper. And I'm sorry. I'm working on it, too. I really am. I'm trying. But it's hard. But, you know, Proverbs 14, verse 29 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And I think it's just uh, a couple of verses later into, I think the first verse or two of, of Proverbs 15 that says, a uh, you know, gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, like if you really want to like, like win the argument, just be gentle in your answers back. A harsh you know, a, 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 a gentle answer turns away wrath. Like when someone's super upset with you, what are you doing? You idiot, like, you're so stupid, you're wrong, This is you've done all these things wrong. And you just want to go back at them, you know? But if someone's coming at you like that, and you're like, you're right, I'm sorry. Like completely takes all the wind out of their sails. <laughs> like you should try it. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> To see someone, I, uh, Oh, you agree with me? <laughs> you know, like completely. You know, I've had that happen before. You know, at at work. You know, especially as a cable guy. You know, I used to show up at people's homes as a cable guy, and and people be so mad. You know, like their cable stopped working. They can't watch HBO. Aah! So angry, just like that. They'd get that loud that the speaker system would get mad and I'd show up at their house and they just lay into me before I even said anything and, and say I'm sorry how can I help you let's fix this together <laughs> and then like an hour later they'll come to. I'm, I'm sorry I snapped at you like I'm, I'm so sorry I'm ashamed of myself you know a gentle answer turns away wrath so why don't we all stand together and, and we're going to worship with one last song and, and let's pray together Father I thank you for this morning I thank you that you're so gracious with us because half the time I don't even feel like I know what I'm doing up here on stage and and I don't feel the slightest bit worthy to be up here sharing God but but you're so gracious you're so gentle you're so loving God that you you just can do anything you can pull good out of any bad circumstance God you can use the the meek to just change the world God you use the weak to change the world God we just we want to be used by you God we want to go out into this world rightly dividing your word knowing your heart on the matter of all the tough topics God whether it's the tough stuff we talked about this morning God or, or anything else man the enemy wants to cause such division God and we're so guilty of getting caught up in that we're supposed to be better than the world but yet we we find ourselves more divided in the church than the world is, God. And so we're sorry for that. If I've been a part of that, I am sorry, Lord. God, help me to do better. Just thank you for your grace, God. Thank you that you, you choose to use us, God. And I pray that you would help all of us to not only study and know these answers ourselves, God, but to boldly declare them to the rest of the world, God. It's such a dark world and it's only getting darker, God. It's only getting more confusing, more unsettled, more restless, God. This last year, year and a half has just been the world turned upside down, God. We want to be that beacon of light in the world, God. We want to be the salt of the earth, God. Help us. I I pray for everyone here that you would give every single person here this week an opportunity to share about you in the lives of someone else, God. That they might be able to bring someone to salvation, God. And maybe I would pause here for just a moment. While well, we have our heads bowed and and I certainly hope that everyone here is saved already but maybe there's someone here who hasn't asked Jesus to save them of their sins and come into their life and you haven't done that yet and you need to do that to have this Holy Spirit come into your life and empower you and to know that you'll have eternity in heaven with God and so if that's you this morning while well, heads are bowed I just ask that you raise your hand this morning so I can pray with you Is there anyone here who needs to make that decision this morning? I don't see any hands, so I hope that means we're all saved. And hallelujah if that's true, that everyone is here saved. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to give you peace. In Jesus' name.
1: that breaks the curses off. Your name, the one that covers of is higher than the others. Higher than the others.